0: What a great day to be able to to gather on. Uh, I got a text from my mom this last week, I think on Thursday, and she had an issue. Um, Her dryer had stopped drying. And I felt something that is dangerous for any man to feel when something's broken. And that was confidence. I felt confidence because I had learned a dryer. We had had trouble with our dryer Two or years ago, something like that, and I had taken it all the way apart, and I knew where everything was and how it connected together. And she said, "I think it's probably the heating element." I was like, "Yeah, hey, we, we, yeah, I know exactly where a heating element is. It'll be fine." I was like, "You just pop off the back; it's right there." She said, "Well, I think mine's in the front." I said, "That's even better. Those have a door on the front; they lower down. This is going to be. I've seen all the YouTube videos. It's going to be. It's going to be good. I'm ready." So I show up. And I'm like, okay, uh, let's check in the back. Nope, wasn't there. Let's take off the front. Well, there's no clear way to take off the front on this dryer. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just see if there's another video or if there's something in the material, in the information that explains. Hey, Stephen, if you're trying to do this, here's how you should do it. And there wasn't. Apparently, they don't want people trying to do that at home on their own. They may think that's a little bit dangerous. And so I was having to find my way through this thing without knowing what to do next, if I had done the right thing before that, and if I was even going to be able to make it through it. Now it is down on the front, finally got that part off. I'm in there. It's all the way underneath it. I've never seen why they would do that. I don't know. But I would remember laying on the floor, had already gotten very tired and frustrated and thinking. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this. I've got my mama's dryer torn all apart here in her laundry room, and I might have to quit. <laughs> I may not make it through this. I don't know what to do next. I'm gonna to have to call somebody in to help. But but thankfully, pressing on through. Oh hey, this okay here. This happened okay like this, and we're able to get it in and uh, get the new part in and get it installed. And in what it made me think of leading up to Mother's Day was that, and I know parenting, I'm not a mother, but I know parenting is it feels a lot like that. Sometimes you're doing something that, you know, there is some instructional stuff on how to do. I was finding plenty of videos about dryers, none that looked like her dryer, none that looked like where hers was and how to, how to go about it. So you can find information, but none that's going to quite fit your situation. None that's going to fully explain to you how to handle this kid that God has given you to raise and keep alive and try to help to to flourish. And you're doing something. You're in the middle of something that you don't always know what to do next. Or if you did the right thing the time before that. And there's plenty of fear and worry and concern about. I was kind of going. I was like, if I, you know, because when you're working on something like that, you're like, I think this is supposed to come out. I think you should just pull it. There's a little bit of resistance. I could pull it really hard, but am I supposed to do that? Like, it, So there's this concern that I'm going to mess something up. I'm going to break it. And and that that feeling comes up plenty of times in uh, parenthood. Like I said, I'm sure motherhood, I know parenting is like that. Uh, motherhood is certainly like that. And, and our mothers deserve appreciation for dealing with that for us. Amen. Everybody in here had a mother. We know how important they are, and moms mean a lot, right? If, if you don't think that, you just look at the folks who have had to come up without their mother or a mother who wasn't uh, a, a true mother to them, and they'll tell you there's a big, big gap there. So, so thankful for our mothers, especially godly mothers. It's so important, and obviously we want to honor uh, that today. Um, that same feeling under the dryer or, you know, trying to figure out how to raise these kids and do, well, what do I do when they tell me that they hate me? There's not a video about that. You know, what do I do when they won't sleep at night? Everybody has a suggestion and they they differ, right? So it, that's kind of like the situation we're in right now with uh, the, the the virus or the Southern translation I've seen on Facebook is, you know, with all this going on, you know, that's what we say you know, it's kind of, you know, with the virus or with Corona or COVID-19 down here in the South, would you say, you know, with all this going on, we're just going to do this. So with all this going on, we don't know always what to do next. Okay, well, we, we made it right here. Now what, and there are, there are experts, but they're not experts in this, right? This has never happened before. We've never walked through this before. And, and obviously we're thankful to live in a place like Arkansas right now for for two reasons. Number one, there's not a lot of cases in Arkansas. We're thankful for that. I think active community cases is below 500 right now in the state of Arkansas. So thankful for that, but also thankful that we've got a governor that is friendly to the church, right? I'm seeing other states where governors are not just being unfriendly, but just being outright ugly to the church. You know, saying we'll arrest you, we'll write down your license plate if we see you going to church. church. Hold on. So I'm really, really glad that we're not having to deal with that. Obviously, pray for our brothers and sisters that are having to deal with that. Because I was sitting there thinking, you know, as all this stuff's coming up, and they're like, the governor's going to make an, he's going to make an announcement, he's going to make a recommendation for churches, and I was just thinking, Lord, I really, I don't want to have to make a fuss. <laughs> But we will, the church will, if we need to and if we have to. And so, again, so thankful uh, to to be in a place where the leadership says the church is essential, right? That what the church does in life is essential because I mentioned it last week. This virus isn't the only darkness out there that people are dealing with. There's plenty of other stuff going on. It's made some things worse, and it's not the only darkness out there. And in the middle of darkness, you need the light to shine. So, so don't be blown about. As the news changes, it'll change from day to day, depending on who's speaking it. The projections change. Estimates change. But there's one thing that never changes, and that's that he is alive. He is on the throne. His love never fails, and he's here for us, And that's why we're here today and that's why you're connected today is because you know that you believe that and you celebrate that. Amen. So if you if you have your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter five. I know we got the kids in here and I'm going to try to try to accommodate that as best I can today. Luke chapter five, still in our series there in Luke. We're going to be in verse thirty three through thirty nine. Today I'm going to read that and we'll pray over the word and I want to encourage you a little bit. Verse 33, it says, one day some people said to Jesus, John, the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? And Jesus responded Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom. Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave this illustration, no one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say, which rhymes, which is cool. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it is always stable and it's always secure, and we can find in it everything that we need for life and for godliness. And I thank you that you teach us today according to your word, more about Jesus, more about our life in him. And you open our eyes to the wonders of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. So here, you know, everybody's questioning Jesus. We've seen that as we go along because what he was bringing was different. Right. And so it brought about a lot of questions. And it says, one day, some people said to Jesus John the Baptist's disciples pray and fast regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? And now, I, I, it doesn't say that's who asked this, but I have to wonder if it was the Pharisees or somebody from the Pharisees, right? Because it seems almost like they're trying to trap Jesus and say, hey, John's disciples do this, the Pharisees do this. How come y'all do it different?" Right, And so the Pharisees and John's disciples were likely fasting two days out of the week. Uh, There was a tradition that you would do that, but it wasn't written in the law. It wasn't coming from Scripture. In the Mosaic law, there was only one day um, prescribed of fasting each year, and it was the Day of Atonement. And so they were fasting more than that, which is fine and it's great, but they were beginning to treat that like it was the expectation, not just for them, but for everybody. And we could talk about how culture begins to develop things that were just cultural, but now we treat them as sacred, right? And you see that happening it can be it, it can be difficult, it can be weird. But anyway, Jesus's answer to them, when they said, hey, you know the Pharisees fast, Regularly, John's disciples fast regularly. Why are your disciples not fasting regularly? And he answers them in 34 and 35 Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. So he takes their question and then in his answer, he lays out two different seasons of life for us one of fasting and one that I'll label feasting, right? That word is not in the text, but that's what it's talking about. That's what you did with at a wedding with the bridegroom. Was, it was a feast. It was a celebration. It was a party. And they said, why are your disciples always feasting? In other words, when these other disciples are fasting. And he lays out these two totally different tones of our life. Obviously, there's more than just these two, but these are two things out of life that that we deal with and that we walk through. They're two seasons of life for us. The one fasting, now when we're talking about fasting today, we're not just talking about abstaining from food or I'm gonna get off social media for a little while or you know, not just that, even though that is fasting. When I use that word today, I want us to have an understanding uh, uh, of it as a, a season of Need, a season maybe of mourning uh, for the loss of something, a season of self denial where there's something that we want but we've denied it, uh, denied ourselves it to make room for something better. It's a season of seriousness, a a season of difficulty, right? That's what we'll call a season of fasting. It It meets all those or any one of those. Qualifications, and then you have the season of feasting where everything—it just seems to be going easy. It's celebratory. There's an enjoyment. And you see the difference between the two, right? They're very different. Fasting normally has a, a characterization of being alone, right, isolating from the the general public. Where feasting normally takes place with a lot of other. People and both of these have a place in our life. Both of these season types have a place in our life. Notice Jesus didn't condemn either one, right? When they said, Why aren't your disciples fasting? These folks are believers, they fast, yours are always feasting. He didn't say any, either one was wrong, did he? he? What he did was he explained them. He explained these seasons and that they exist and that there is a difference between the two, but that we can expect to encounter both. Don't you love it when Jesus explains your season for you? So uh, take just just a moment as we're talking about this, a moment of self-reflection of your life right now where you are right now today. And if you had to label it as one or the other, either a season of fasting or a season of feasting, if you had to label it as one or the other, which one are you in right now? And I know it's more nuanced than that, but if you had to say which one you're in right now, if you had to put a label on it, which one would it be? And in just a moment of self-reflection, you don't have to do a deep dive into your consciousness, but if right now, based on those two descriptions, is it a season of fasting or is it a season of Feasting. If you had to label it, which one are you in right now? And remember, neither one of them is wrong, right? He explained them both to us. He didn't condemn either one. If you had to say which one you were in right now, a season of fasting or a season of feasting, which one are you in? And the next question, after selecting one of those, how long have you been there? How long have you been in that season? May it just been a day, maybe just in the last week. Obviously, right now, with everything we've got going on, we're all trending a lot more towards what? A season of fasting. But again, it's nuanced. You can have feasting mixed in there. But which one are you in, and how long have you been there? And again, there's not a wrong answer necessarily. Jesus didn't condemn either one, but he explained them. And you see the the question from the people, they're they're looking at it saying, you know, these boys that are with you, they seem to have been in feast mode for for a while now. We haven't seen them fasting. Why is that? Now, they may not have had pure motives when they asked this question, but the question itself we can still learn from. Why are these feasting and these fasting? Because Jesus didn't, he would slap them down on some of these questions, right? He would let them have it if he knew their heart was in the wrong place or if they were trying to trap him. But he didn't do that with this question. He he, he explained it. So as we're talking about this, if you had to be one, which one Are you in? And obviously, like I said, the time can vary and be different for everybody and everything that we've got going on. But how long have you been there? Because we will live in both. We will experience both. We will walk in both seasons of fasting and seasons of feasting. And since we're still people, you know there's a way for us to mess it up. Right? It's not just what we will experience these different seasons of life. It's also since we're people, there's going to be a way that we can mess up our time in either one. Right. One big way that we can mess it up is how we respond to others that are in the opposite season of what we're in at the moment. Right. Maybe they're feasting and we're fasting different seasons, opposite seasons. How do we handle it when we run into that? And then that's, that's what these people were running into. They were like, we see them fasting. We see them feasting. We don't know what we're supposed to do, maybe. So how do we handle it? Again, we see it in the text that two people can be in completely different seasons. The Pharisees fasting. John's disciples were fasting. And Jesus' disciples were feasting. And again, their response comes, this question comes, maybe they were asking for instruction so they knew what to do. Maybe they felt like they were being cheated because they weren't getting to feast. They were only fasting. Maybe they thought it wasn't fair. We don't know their motivation for the question. All we hear is the question. And again, we will live in both. We'll have seasons of fasting, seasons of feasting. And since we're people, there's going to be ways for us to mess it up. And and, and one of the big ways we can mess it up is when we respond incorrectly to someone who's in a different season. Somebody can be in a different season from us and we can respond to them and handle that. Incorrectly. So if we're in a season of fasting, in a time where there there doesn't seem to be enough, it's not easy. There's some struggle there. We're we're having to strive a little bit. We're really having to push and press to make it through the day or make it through the situation. Maybe it's because we're missing something. Maybe it's because we're missing somebody and we're having to really press in and hold on. How do we respond to somebody who's in a different season? If they're feasting while we're fasting, how do we respond to that, right? There's opportunities there for, for jealousy, for envy. Well, how come everything, how come they're feasting? I'm dealing with this. How come everything's well with them? I'm dealing with this. Maybe, it's, maybe it doesn't seem fair. Are we still able to love them when they're in a different season? Do we still have a hope for ourselves when we're in a different season than they are? If we're in a season of feasting where everything seems to be easy, su- success is happening, and there's enjoyment, you're like, how often does that happen, right? I mean, it's a feast is supposed to be sporadic, but, but that does happen in our life where we just have stretches where things go really well. Things go really well, and the question there is, how do we respond to somebody who's in a different season? If they're fasting while we're feasting, How do we respond to them? Can we even pay attention? Do we notice that everything's, while everything's going well with me at this time and in this moment, am I able to notice and acknowledge that it's not going well for them right now or that they're in a season of fasting? Do I start to get prideful and just think like, well, if they would have just made better decisions or if they would just do this, what I'm doing right now, then if they would do it, then it would work perfect for them. But the, the Ignoring the fact that they're in a different season, right? Do we do we forget altogether that everybody's not feasting? And when I was thinking about this, I remember uh, something my dad said uh, when when he was living. He uh, managed the family convenience store there in Bearden. And it was open all the time. And so we're having Thanksgiving at the house and the store is open and he's having to go back and forth and help with stuff and do stuff. And I said, why are y'all open on Thanksgiving? Why are you why are you even there? It's Thanksgiving. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Stephen, it's not Thanksgiving for everybody. For some people, it's just Thursday. And those folks are going to buy, you know, drinks and they got to buy their lunch and, you know, they need to get gas. It's not Thanksgiving for everybody. And I didn't realize that I had forgotten that it was Thanksgiving for me. Right. Mimi's coming. The whole house is going to be for you. Everybody's together. It's a time of feasting. And what he was reminding me of is it's not that way for everybody today. And it it just it meant a lot because it just stuck with me. And I always remember it. It's not Thanksgiving for everybody. It's not Christmas for everybody. And are we able to remember that when we're in a season of feasting, when again, when everything is going well, hitting on all six cylinders? Are we able to remember that it's not Thanksgiving for everybody? at that moment and are we still able to look in love and in kindness to others and then think to ourselves, maybe things are going well for me right now so that I can help somebody who's in a different season. Because again, we can have two different seasons going on at the same time for two different people and that's going to, it's going to happen and it's normal for it to be that way. And now these people asked, how come your disciples aren't fasting? These people, these disciples are fasting. How come your disciples aren't fasting? And he answered them. But I love it how the answer was also aimed towards the disciples, where I hope they were listening. Because what Jesus said in his answer to the people, which was also an answer to the disciples, is, yes, they're feasting now, but they won't always feast. A season of fasting is coming A season of fasting is on the way for them. When he said, do do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. To show that there's a balance in our life, these seasons of fasting and these seasons of feasting, and his answer to them show that there's going to be times of ease and then there's going to be times of pressure. There's going to be times of enjoyment And there's going to be times of difficulty. There's going to be times where you really have to push, where your weaknesses are exposed and where your trust is going to have to be on him. Right. And we we know that. But are we paying attention to which season we're in and how long we've been there? Again, there's going to be times of abundance and there's going to be times of, you know, we're really going to have to press to get this done. There's some days where the dryer is easy to take off and there's some days where you got to get all the way underneath it. Right. And are we paying attention? Are we enjoying the benefits of each one? There's benefits of the season of fasting. Absolutely. Because it's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. Weakness for us is an opportunity to see God's strength take over. Times of feasting, we can get confused and think that we're just doing a good job. And then it's not Him in the abundance of grace and mercy on our life showing us how to enjoy Him. And then it changes, and then it's a season of fasting, and then it's a season of feasting. And again, it can be fasting on Monday and feasting on Tuesday. There's not set times there. So how, are, are we balancing them correctly? When I wrote it down, I thought it was really neat. Those words are only one letter apart. There's just one letter different between fasting and feasting. And how different is the experience with that one letter in there? And Jesus was telling us that both of these seasons, fasting and feasting, both of them belong to man. That Man is going to walk through each one at one time or another, and then it's going to be a balance of life. Seasons of fasting and seasons of feasting. And then he tells us how to handle it with two very strange illustrations for us. Right. If you look at that in verse 36 and uh, going through verse 40, he says, does anybody tear off a new piece of cloth from a new garment and use it to patch an old garment? No, because it would ruin the new garment. It wouldn't match the old garment and it's going to cause issues. It would be ruined. And then he says, does anybody put new wine into old wine skins for the new wine would burst the wine skin, spilling the wine and ruining the skin? So again, not really, you know, nowadays, if we get a shirt with a hole in it, we just go, that, I used to like that shirt. You know, we're not thinking patching stuff. I do remember when my mom used to have to patch my jeans when I was on the playground in elementary school because they would, you know, get holes in the knees. I didn't even know I could have just kept them like that and been the coolest kid at school. Uh, I wish she had let me. That would have been that would have been neat. But patches there, so we understand just a little bit. And then the wine skin thing, we we'll don't understand it at all. You know, because I'm pretty sure what it's talking about is you take a goat, and you skin it, you tan the, the the skin, and then you make it to where it's like a little little wine purse, and then you can put wine in it to ferment. That's where that's where they would ferment the wine. And what he's saying there is, if it's an old wine skin. If it's been used and it's dried and it's not as pliable as it used to be, you know, like you're thinking leather gets sometimes, you put that new wine in there and it's still ferment, there's going to be pressure changes, and it's going to bust, right? And with the garment, he said, you don't take a piece of new garment and put it on an old one. Why? I mean, not pre-shrunk fabric. So if you put it on the old, what's going to happen? The first time it's washed, it's going to shrink up, pull apart. And tear, right? And he tells this more than one place. And so what we can learn from that, again, two real weird examples for us. And some people will use this to, to make, make it sound like you shouldn't ever do anything new. You shouldn't ever take out the pews and put in chairs. You don't put new wine in old wine skins. It'll bust. You know, it's just the reason why we don't do anything new. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about flexibility. Is that in your changing seasons... Are you flexible or are you so rigid that when it changes, you break down? Are you able to interact with others and be flexible when the seasons are changing or does it break you apart and then you just end up making a mess of things in life? Are we, uh, are we a fabric that's too rigid, that, that's not able to be used? Are we an old wineskin that's lost our shape and our ability to be pliable and our flexibility when we're going through these different seasons? Or are we so rigid that we just crack? How do we navigate these seasons correctly? A season of fasting, to feasting, back to fasting, back to feasting. How do we navigate that? The answer is we have to be flexible. We have to be flexible. If we aren't flexible, as we move between these seasons, and as we interact with people who may be in a different season than us, the opposite season from us, we'll break down and we'll make a mess of things. And it's easy to see how we could do that, right? It's easy to see how if we're in a season of fasting and we're trying to encourage somebody who's feasting, that those differences, if we're not being flexible and we don't have hope in our heart that it won't always be like this how we would handle them incorrectly. And the same way on the other side, if we're in a season of feasting, well, why, don't you just, why don't you just do better? Why don't you just try Things seem to be working for me right now. Why don't you just do better? And we're not kind and we're not loving because we're not understanding that they're walking in a season that's different from the one we're in right now. I'm not awesome just because I'm in a season of feasting, and they're not awful because they're in a season of fasting. Each one has its place in our life. We think what we want is for everything to always be perfect and right and good, and if it was, would we know and realize our need for God? And would we be thankful? for the good things in life, if there was never difficulty, if we never had to push, if we never had to believe, if we never had to go through anything. I heard one minister say this, you know, our prayer is often for God to take away our needs and our weaknesses. He said, and I wonder if the motive behind that is so that we won't need him. Because if he takes away all your needs and weaknesses, you're going to stray. If we're in feasting for two long or are we getting too high of an opinion of ourselves? And if we're in a season of fasting for too long, are we developing too low an opinion of ourselves when each one is supposed to point us to Him? So it's easy to see how we can misunderstand these two seasons and not handle them rightly. We have to be conscious of which one we're in and we have to be kind to others during either one. I have to know where I am, how long have I been there and how am I handling it? And something that I was thinking on as, as I was going through this, sometimes we'll stay in a season of fasting when he's actually made feasting available. We'll stay in a season of fasting when he it doesn't have that for us at that time. We've chosen to step away from the table of the feast and enjoyment because we, we want to, for whatever reason, Part of what's wrong with us is, is is sometimes we're happy when things aren't going well. As weird as that sounds, not happy, we feel normal when everything's not going well. And sometimes He's called us away from the table to a time of isolation and a time of solitude to seek Him, and we haven't pushed back from the feasting table. So that would be a whole other thing. We don't have time to go into it much more today. Is are we at the right table? Are we at the right season for life? Are we trying to make a season of fasting like it's feasting or vice versa? No feast and no fast is good without him. Either one without him is going to end up being awful for you and making it hard for you to love others and treat them right. So we have to be conscious of what season we're in. We have to be kind in whatever season that we're in. We have to know where we are. How long have I been there? And how am I acting towards others? Because again, in Christ, both are good for us. Both are helpful for us. Both have meaning for us. But neither one is going to be good without Him. He will bring the joy into both. You can have joy during a season of Fasting because you're firmly relying on Him. You can have joy in a season of feasting because all good gifts come from Him. And again, either one without Him will, will destroy us. So close them. We're doing good. Kids, you all have to stay in here as long as we normally do. I, told, I, I said something like that to Andrew last week. He said, we get back to normal. I mean, folks are getting used to like 35 minutes on the couch in their PJs. So we might have to like build back up. I don't know what everybody's tolerance is. Uh, for, for our normal time together. But, Andrew, if you want to go ahead and come, we'll get ready to close out and we'll, we'll sing together before we go. Our lives will be marked by seasons of fasting and seasons of feasting, seasons of difficulty and ease. And, and we have to know which one we're in so that we handle it right, not only as far as we go, but as far as how as we deal with others in life? How are we handling them? How are we responding to people that are in a different season? In our feasting and our fasting, in our work, in our rest, are we loving and are we kind to others? And in those seasons of life, how do we navigate them? How do we know the difference? We have to be flexible. We have to be flexible. Change is going to come. We have to be able to bend without breaking. We have to be willing to change from one season to another. He doesn't change, but we have to, you know, if it's raining outside versus sunshine, you're going to have to make some changes. And if you don't, there's going to be issues. It's the same thing in our life. We want to be a seasoned garment patch. We, we want to be a pliable wineskin. We want to be useful. We want to be able to stretch when stretching is called for. I, I say it this way. If, if, if you're feeling stretched... In life, that means you're growing. Don't try to stop that. If you're you're feeling stretched, you're growing. If you're not ever feeling stretched, then you may have stopped growing. And it's time to assess and look at that. And so how in the world do we stay pliable? Do we stay flexible? Do we love other people when they're in a different season than us? How do we navigate these things? We have to have Him in our life. He has to be the foundation and the focus of either season. Our feasting can't be without Him and our fasting, Lord help, can't be without Him. We certainly don't want to be in a season of fasting without Him. He's our foundation for both. Unless He is our foundation and He's directing us in it, it, there will be pain in either one. There will be pain in the feasting, believe it or not. We see it all the time. People that feast all that more than we could ever think about feasting in this life. And all it does is prove to them that there's nothing at the end of the rainbow if God's not in it. And again, a season of fasting without him is just pain and misery and insufficiency. Unless he's directing it, it's going to be in vain. It's going to be full of pain. We need him. So what season are we in? Do we recognize it? Do we know? And have we made adjustments to fit the season that we're in? And are we able to interact and love and be kind with people who are in a different one? Amen. Let's pray together as we we finish up. Father, thank you for the wisdom that comes from your word. Lord, that Christ's message would fill our hearts and our lives. And that we'd be able to counsel each other and encourage each other with the wisdom that comes from him. Lord, I thank you that as we leave today, we'll be able to be a little introspective about the seasons of our life so that we have our expectation right, so that we won't be in a season of fasting, expecting to be feasting and be upset and disappointed and all bound up. Lord, I thank you for both. I thank you that you lead us through seasons of fasting where we can grow and trust you and lean on your sufficiency, not trusting in ourselves or leaning on our own understanding, but acknowledging you. And I thank you, Lord, for the seasons of feasting that we can rejoice in the rest that you provide. It is you that has given us any ability to have success. And Lord, in those seasons, that we will be so thankful and grateful for your grace towards us. And Father, whichever we are in, that we won't be looking inward only, but we'll be able to look out towards others, even others that are in a different season, and we'll be able to interact with them in a way that is loving and is kind. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your church. I thank you that you are building us up and strengthening us together. Lord, I pray for those that are at home. I thank you that you meet them right where they are, that you encourage them today and build them up, that your presence knows no bounds or no boundaries. And Father, I thank you that you're able to minister to them exactly as they have need today. And Lord, we look forward to the day that we're all back together Again, I thank you that you keep us safe. Bless your people as we go through this week, that you give us exactly what we need for each day. Our daily bread, Father, that we know comes only from you. Protect them. Keep them safe. I thank you that you're going to prosper them. Bless them during this time. Lord, blessings do continue to come from you, even in seasons of fasting. And I thank you that we'll recognize that. and We'll look to you as our foundation and as our future hope. We love you and we thank you that we can still gather in your name. We pray for those that aren't able to today. And Lord, we pray for those that are struggling against unfriendly uh, leaders, those that are unfriendly to the church. Father, I thank you that you'll turn their hearts and I thank you that your people will not grow weary in doing good and that they'll respond as you would have them to respond. And we thank you for these things. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Let's stand up, we'll sing together.